Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Sound and Worship Podcast. My name is Justin and I am back from uh, having my little sweet little girl. I'm actually holding her in my arms right now. So if she doesn't make a peep, then that would be a blessing for this recording. Uh, she's been a really, really sweet girl. She's a daddy's girl for sure already. Uh, she is probably, by the time you're listening to this, she's about three weeks old. So, love her, love her, love her. Uh, so, we are here to record uh, a new episode. I want to start off by saying thanks to Brian J. Emerson from the Bomb Gilead podcast, a podcast that I'm on as well. Uh, thanks to him for filling in on the last two episodes and doing some Really, really good analysis on resurrecting by elevation. I really appreciated him doing that. Um, helps me out a lot. Let me get a little bit more sleep than I would have gotten. So that was truly a blessing. Today, I'm just really going to jump right into this. I received an email and uh, I almost categorized it as as what you would call hate mail. Um, you know, I don't know if you listen to... Uh, the Babylon B podcast, but you know, I couldn't steal the uh, I really miss Adam Ford thing that they say, but it kind of would have applied to this email. It's pretty lengthy, and I, you know, I thought I could respond to it a lot better by speaking than writing something. Uh, a lot of times, writing, uh, though it's super important and it can be done well, and um, the message can be conveyed as the author intends. Uh, a lot of times it doesn't work out that way. And being that this is a response to someone uh, whose identity I'm not going to reveal at all, uh, I just I don't want it to be about that at all. I just want to talk about the kind of claims and ideas and the objections uh, that were placed in the email. I, this is not personal. Uh, it's just me fleshing out the responses to a lot of the claims in the email. But it appears to be in response to the article, one of the first articles written on Sound and Worship, and it's at soundandworship.com slash whybethel. That's all one jammed together word, whybethel. And it's basically just an article outlining um, the, the dangers and the false teaching that Bethel has. It contains examples from Bethel. Uh, that's something that I like to try to do, uh, is let the, you know, the person that I am reviewing or, or ministry that I'm taking a look at speak for themselves. There are some other quotes and things from uh, reputable pastors like Justin Peters and, uh, and Pastor Gabe Hughes from what may be on that. I can't remember, but I know he's covered Bethel for, for sure. So just wanted to get into that and... I'll just start by reading this person's email. Again, I'm going to do my very best not to reveal any identity here. It's not about that. So, um, and I, I'll say this too. This is an article that, you know, it's it's been seen quite a few times. I just checked before I started recording. And it's been viewed about 10, a little over 10,000 times. Um, so it's it's one of the most seen articles on soundandworship.com. So, and I'm, I'm surprised that up until this point, I haven't really received an email like this on it. I guess it just is finally reaching people that I honestly would love to read the article. Um, and I'm glad to respond to an email when I can. So I'll start off. This person writes in and says, I take it from your article tearing down another ministry 
which we are not to be doing. And I'll just stop right there and address that. So what I would say to that is Bethel Church is not an actual ministry. It is a false ministry. Uh, Scripture tells us to watch out for those who create obstacles contrary to the doctrine we have been taught, which is referring to sound doctrine because that's coming from God's word. Uh, I don't take any pleasure in doing that. Um, If Bethel, you know, was basically orthodox, little orthodox in their teaching and uh, they weren't doing bizarre false teaching, then I, and obviously if they kept the gospel, the gospel, um, you know, all the time without mixing in unbiblical teaching, I would have, I wouldn't be here right now. I would, there'd be no point in bringing up Bethel, but unfortunately they do that. So I'm going to go through some, some verses that I found applicable to this situation. Uh, Romans 16, 17 through 18 in the ESV says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Ephesians 5, 11 in the ESV says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. 2 Corinthians 11, 13-15 says in the ESV, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So, I felt like those verses were applicable. Um, we, we have a, not only a right, I would say, to uh, call out false teaching and ministries that are uh, harming people with their false teaching on the regular, but we have a command from Scripture to do that. Uh, we do have to do it with gentleness and respect. Uh, so, that's what I set out and intend to do. I don't have any issues with actual attenders of Bethel Church. I honestly don't know any personally. I live on the other side of the country, so I don't know of any personally, but I do know their impacts have reached over here for sure and around the world, honestly. So it's something that needs to be talked about and it's, it needs to be pointed out. And, you know, I keep mentioning false teaching. That article that I mentioned on, on our website, soundofworship.com, it definitely lays out the plain regular false teaching that Bethel does, but we'll also get into a little bit of that in responding to this email. The email continues, and I really, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just start from the top because that'll keep it in context, but it says, I take it from your article, Tearing Down Another Ministry, which we are not to be doing, that you don't believe in people being raised from the dead, miracles, or the presence of God, or the Holy Spirit. Now, those are some pretty strong claims, honestly, uh, to say that I don't believe in the presence of God or the Holy Spirit. Um, that's pretty close to saying that I'm not a Christian. Uh, so, you know what? If you want to make that claim, I, you know, <laughs> I disagree, obviously. Uh, I do believe in the presence of God. Uh, I believe that God exists. I also believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son. I believe in the Holy Trinity. To say that I don't is a pretty, pretty large claim there. But that's okay. Uh, You know, you can make those claims, and I'll just respond to them. 
Secondly, to that point, I do believe in miracles and healings. I believe they happen on God's time, and they happen when He wills them. I don't believe in the NAR kinds of teaching and the teachings from Bethel that we'll get into from this article that, you know, if you just say the right things or, or you come up and receive, quote unquote, receive on someone's behalf, which we'll talk about, that's not what we find in Scripture. And that's the problem I have. God can heal anybody at any time. I believe he does. I believe he does. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later in the episode. In regards to people being raised from the dead, I found another great article from gotquestions.org that I really honestly agree with. It's not super long, so I'll just go ahead and read it. So again, gotquestions.org, this, this article is entitled, Is Raising the Dead Still Possible Today? And the article says, In addition to Jesus himself being raised from the dead, the Bible records nine other instances of people rising from the dead. And then, of course, Got Questions gives, I don't know, nine or, about eight, nine or ten scripture references to that. It happens in scripture, no doubt about it. Clearly, bringing someone back from the dead is not beyond God's power today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8 Since God is still capable of raising the dead, yes, raising the dead is still possible today. A much more involved question is whether raising the dead actually occurs today. There are some in the Word Faith movement who claim to have raised the dead, but credible evidence has never been produced. The many blatantly unbiblical teachings within the Word Faith movement raise serious doubts regarding the legitimacy of any of their miracles. Some practitioners of voodoo and witchcraft also claim to have raised people from the dead. While satanic miracles are possible, it seems unlikely that Satan possesses the power to raise the dead. If a person who was officially pronounced dead was raised back to life, it would be an amazing miracle. Surely, if a person was raised from the dead in the name of Christ, it would convince everyone to receive Jesus as Savior, right? Wrong. Jesus addressed this very issue in Luke 16, 30-31. But if anyone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Why does raising the dead probably not occur today? Amazing miracles are not what lead people to genuine faith. If a person is rejecting the word of God, no miracle will convince the person to repent and receive Jesus Christ as Savior. All a miracle would do is cause people to clamor for more mistakes. So, I completely agree with that article. I think it hits the nail on the head. Of course Jesus can raise the dead today, but it doesn't happen in the unbiblical ways that the NAR and the Word Faith Movement tries to say that they happen. With God, there's nothing impossible. He can do anything he desires to do. But it doesn't happen in the way that NAR churches claim that they happen. And like the article says, they never, ever, ever produce credible evidence. And for an event like that to take place, there would be so many people documenting that. Um, There was a little girl in, in this tragic, tragic story. I believe this is on Bethel, the 
the article. Um, I could be wrong. I want to say her name's Olivia. It was Olivia. It's a tragic, tragic story. You know, I have two little kids, and I cannot imagine losing one of those, one of my children. I, I just, it would, just, it would just break my heart so much. It would be hard to recover from something like that. So I, I hate, hate, hate to hear about that happening. Uh, it's awful. But what their church did during those times, they were holding events and saying that her name was Olive. Now, I now remember her name was Olive. But I remember the psalm because they were singing, Olive, come out of that grave, come out of that grave in Jesus' name. She didn't. And I, I understand a parent wanting their child back. I, I truly do. I, I cannot imagine that that pain. That, that's awful. Um, but, you know, especially for those of us who believe that, you know, children who are not of the age of accountability, they go to heaven you know, why would you want your child to come back? Uh, again, I get it. But at the same time, you know, it didn't happen. And for a group that is so adamant about claiming that healings and things are going to happen, and it's just going to be so, you know, so easy, and it's just, it's just healing, it's, there's nothing to it. For a church to claim that is really dangerous. I mean, it's leading people astray and... It's leading people to believe that things that are not going to happen are going to happen. You know, and it's, it's fine to pray for those things to happen, but what Bethel did was they obsessed over this for days, and the result did not happen as they claimed it would. Um, it was done in unbiblical ways. Um, it, it just wasn't right. And I think speaking to that and and really talking about the rest of this email will help us just lay out more and more of the just plain issues. They're not personal to people. Uh, I have no personal issue with people who are making these claims. I have issue with the claims they're making and the people that they're leading astray. So the email continues. Let me tell you about two miracles that I was personally involved in. The first was a friend's niece of 15 who was diagnosed with leukemia. When I found out about this in a group of Christian business owners we are in together, I right away shared a video in our group, Marco Polo, and prayed against the sickness and symptoms. I pled the blood of Jesus over her. Now this statement right here was something that really stood out to me. The person writes, Being a Christian, she has the blood of Jesus in her veins which means her blood cannot harbor sickness. Okay. Again, th this is a story and an account that I, I'm sorry to hear about. That's awful. Uh, you know, I've, I've had a relative that went through leukemia. That's terrible. I can't even relate to it. Uh, I can't even relate to that. That's awful. The claim here, though, is that because... This girl who this emailer is referencing, because she's a Christian, she has the blood of Jesus in her veins, which means her blood cannot harbor sickness. This is a word faith teaching, and it's unbiblical. I just have some questions about that. Okay, so I'll, I'll start off by saying this. God does allow us to get sick. 
And he, he allows us to have trials and tribulations. Uh, in Romans 5, we're called to rejoice in our sufferings. If we're called to rejoice in suffering, doesn't that prove we'll have sufferings? Uh, I'll just read Romans 5, 3 through 4 from the ESV. And it says, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And I know you guys are familiar with that passage. The question I have to this claim is, if a Christian cannot harbor sickness, how did this young lady, how'd she get leukemia in the first place? You know, does, does she just get sick for, like, is there times where Christians can harbor sickness and then they can't? Or, you know, that just, that just doesn't add up. Another thing I would say to this is that God can actually heal people without the descriptions that these Word of Faith uh, movements proclaim. He can also allow medical experts to treat people who have leukemia. And you might say, well, that's not a miracle. That's just treatment. I mean, it depends on how you look at it. But, you know, all knowledge and logic have their origin in God. Uh, Without God, we wouldn't know what knowledge is. We wouldn't have a grasp on logic to be able to make claims that make sense to one another. Uh, and, in, and in that, uh, medical experts wouldn't be able to learn how to treat people who have sickness. That's God's mercy on us. He didn't have to create our brains in a way that could decipher how to give someone medical attention. He didn't have to do that. But thank God he did do that. And so... That can happen. And just moving on uh, with the rest of the email, we'll talk about how, you know, this claim, it it just, I can't get behind it because there's so much about it that does not line up with Scripture. Scripture is our authority. Uh, Scripture evens the playing field in a sense because you have two people who make two different claims. Well, where do we go to determine who is telling the truth or who is making claims that are true? Well, we go to the Bible. We go to God's Word, the Word of our Creator. We go there, and we can set aside any kind of personal issues we have with one another and just say, okay, let's line this up with Scripture. And that's what I'm going to do. The email continues. The following Sunday, our church called people forward to receive hands laid on them for healing. The Holy Spirit prompted me to go up and receive on her behalf. Now, I mentioned that earlier a little bit. What does that mean, for one? What does it mean to receive on someone's behalf? I I haven't come across that in Scripture. Where in Scripture are we called to go up and receive on someone's behalf? Whatever receive means. Uh, you know, I, you're not going to find that teaching in Scripture. Um, that's something that the Word Faith Movement has come up with. We're not called to go up and receive on someone's behalf. We're, we can definitely pray for people. But this is teaching that doesn't come from Scripture. It just doesn't. The email continues. I live in one state, and she is in another state. I've never met her. I'm not related to her. All of these excuses came to my mind right away. 
what authority do I have to go demand this of God's power? And that statement honestly took me back as well. This person says, demand this of God's power. We're called to ask God and accept the results. That's the truth of it. Uh, we do not demand God to do anything. You know, we, we have to remember who God is and who we are. We don't demand God to do things. We can ask God and pray and humble ourselves before God and plead to God. We are not in control of God. We are not in authority over God. We can't go and say, I demand you to do this, God. Well, we can, but that's just not, that's not how it works. We're not taught to go and demand. 1 John five fourteen in the ESV says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Okay, so that passage says, according to his will. If it is not in his will to heal someone, he will not and has no obligation to do so. Sometimes it is, his, it is his will for us to suffer like Romans 5 states. Our times of health where we're healthy, that's mercy and grace from God. In a fallen world where we have stretches of our life, where we're not sick. Ah, I mean, I'm just, I'm so thankful for my health. I'm, I'm so thankful for my health. That's a gift from God. He's been merciful to me in that regard. You know, I know my life could end later today, but I'm just thankful to God for his health and for sustaining me, especially how big of a fool I've been in my life. I'm thankful for him calling me to repentance, to turn from my sin and, and trust in him for salvation and for his patience with me. But to say that, that we are to demand, I demand you, God, can you imagine? That's just not, that's not what we're called to do. So that claim I have a problem with. The next part of this email says, how can I receive for her? Isn't that forcing my will on her? I put these aside and went up because I didn't care. It couldn't hurt, and I felt I was clearly hearing from God. As they got closer to me, I could feel electricity going through my uplifted hands all the way to my feet. I stood there and believed and received for, and he mentions the person, the girl's name, that he received for her. Okay. This is not the first time I've heard this. Uh, it's a common NAR claim. And, you know, like all claims from the NAR of, of things like this happening, there's never any evidence given for it. That, that's just a fact. Uh, you'll never see, you know, medical evidence or, or video evidence of that happening. You just won't see it. Uh, the story is so similar to something that I've read from, ironically enough, Bethel Church's leader, Bill Johnson, that I, I just felt like I would pull this up. Um, a quote from Bill Johnson's book, When Heaven Invades Earth, says this, quote, Once, in the middle of the night, God came in answer to my prayer for more of Him, yet not in a way I had expected. I went from a dead sleep to being wide awake in a moment. 
unexplainable power began to pulsate through my body, seemingly just shy of electrocution. It was as though I had been plugged into a wall socket with a thousand volts of electricity flowing through my body. My arms and legs shot out in silent explosions, as if something was released through my hands and feet. End quote. The problem is, we don't have any way of verifying that claim. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to call the person who sent this email in a liar. I, I, I'm not trying to do that, but at the same time, I cannot verify that claim. I frankly don't believe that happened in that way. And you know what? If you can show me that it did, I'm all ears, but I, I just don't believe it. And the problem that I have is that we don't see that kind of teaching in Scripture that we are to, are to expect that kind of thing. And even if we are, uh, you know, even if that happens, what does that even mean? That electricity shot through, what, what does that mean? So I'll continue with the email. It says, when I got back to my seat, I glanced at my hands and there was gold dust all over my hands. My wife confirmed what I was seeing. And to that, I would just ask, you know, for something crazy like that to happen, why wasn't there anyone around to take a picture of that? You know, maybe you didn't have a camera, or maybe no one had a camera to take a picture of that. But I can tell you, if, if gold dust was on my hands, after electricity shot through my arm and through my feet, I would be documenting this. Uh, that, that would be something to, for sure, document. I mean, that is, that is an outstanding claim to make. It, it, it kind of it lines straight up, too, with the video that's on Why Bethel of the gold dust coming down through the ventilation system. That's what it did. It, it flowed from the top of their building. Uh, you know, I've seen on some other programs, uh, I believe it was with Justin Peters, where people confessed to putting stuff in the ventilation system. Like, that was their job. Um, so, I don't believe for a second that that happened, that that was actually gold dust. Even if it was gold dust, what does that mean? You know, where did the gold dust go? Did it like, where is the gold dust today? Uh, you know, if you have gold dust on your hands, well, would you not try and collect that and then preserve it and say, this is what God did to me, if that's what happened? You certainly would. But where is it today? You know, it, did it just get cleaned up after the event? You know, where is it? Did it disappear? You know, what message was to be received from gold dust being on your hands? Like, where can we go in Scripture and say, if you get gold dust on your hands after electricity goes through your body, this means this. It just, that just doesn't line up. Continuing on with the email, it says, they did a follow-up test that week. The previous test had showed that almost every cell in the sample was infected with leukemia. This follow-up test showed 1 in 1,000. A week later, another test was performed, 1 in 200. And that may be 1 in 2,000 because 1 in 1,000 would be less leukemia showing up. But it says the following week, the doctor said she had experienced a miracle because they could not find 
any leukemia. Her parents listened to the doctors anyway and did chemo. Uh, her parents listened to the doctors and did chemo anyway, is what the email says. Now, I, you know what? If someone is healed from leukemia, praise God for that. Praise God for his mercy and his healing. All glory to God for that. And, and no matter what way he carried that out, whether it was through, um, you know, modern medicine or, or if he supernaturally healed someone from leukemia, glory to God for that. We should be praising him. I wasn't there to verify. I don't know this these people. I don't know the claims made, but uh, just going off what was said, praise God for that. I I do, despite the claim that was made, I do believe that miracles can happen. Healings can happen, but they happen on God's time. They don't happen in the sense of what we've heard so far or, or what we've been hearing for many, many years from the Word Faith Movement. And, you know, being that the parents did chemo anyways, that was probably the right thing to do. Carrying on, it says, she experienced not one, but two strokes. They said she would not be able to walk, write, talk, or talk, walk, write, talk for months, and she would be permanently damaged from it. Again, we came against that and claimed her healing. All right. Nowhere in scripture are we called to go up and claim healing in that sense, for sure. Uh, again, it's up to God. It's not just as easy as I claim healing, I'm healed. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm for sure healed right this instant. I've, I've never witnessed that and don't know of anyone that actually has. The email continues. Within two weeks, she was running around at their cabin, riding four-wheelers, riding just fine, and you could hardly tell in her speech that she had been paralyzed two weeks ago and unable to speak. God is good. And I agree with that statement. God is good. God can heal and thank God he was merciful to this little girl. But what sticks out, though, is the, the statement from the email that says, you could hardly tell in her speech that she had been paralyzed two weeks ago and unable to speak. Now, as this article seems to reveal and talk about supernatural healings that happen in, in an NAR word faith sense, if we line that up with Jesus' healings, People were not almost healed. Like if someone was blind, they were they received their sight back. Like they they weren't. God didn't try to heal somebody, and then you know he just he almost completely healed them, but not quite. Like he he healed them as much as he wanted to heal them. There, there was no you know you could hardly tell kind of thing like this is describing. You could hardly tell in her speech that she had been paralyzed two weeks ago and unable to speak. Um, God could, could have healed that girl, but he doesn't almost heal or, or try really hard and then just you could barely tell that she was sick. If he wanted her healed, he could do it in any way that he wants to. Uh, it's not a try-fail kind of thing. It's not... Um, you know, something that you could barely tell that she was she was pretty much healed, but not completely healed. I, you know, I guess he could heal someone ninety percent or or however he wanted to, but again, it just doesn't line up. Moving on to the rest of the email, this is a, a different 
uh, part of the email that, you know, I sympathize with it too, um, with some of the claims that are being made. The person says, the second miracle that God performed for me was with my daughter. My wife and I did IFV twice, and the second time we implanted two embryos. I'm not going to get into that. That's not something that I can speak to. Continuing, the blood test said we were pregnant, but at the first ultrasound, they could only find our son in his sack. Our daughter's sack was there, but empty. They talked about vanishing twin syndrome and said it was a single pregnancy. We left and agreed we would not put words to the doctor's words. It was only our words that mattered. Now, again, I, I have two little ones of my own. I can, you know, I, I hate to hear of anyone going through any kind of issues um, in regards to birth uh, or regards to carrying children and something wrong happening. I hate to hear that. That, that just, that just would break my heart to go through that. I, I cannot imagine. It's it just sounds awful. So I I hate to hear that that happened. What sticks out about this, though, is the word faith statement at the end that says it was only our words that mattered. The thing about it is, it's only God's will that matters. It's just, it sounds kind of like, you know, trying to speak over the situation and claim it and saying, you know, this, whatever our words are, that's what's going to happen. Friend, you don't have to live in that way. It's not like that. You don't have to stress and say, oh, I have to get my words right. I have to ensure that I'm speaking in in a correct way so I can activate God's healing. And it's just not, that's just not how it works. That's not how scripture teaches us. And I hate to see that burden on you. And I hate to see that on anybody to think in that way. When instead we should just humble ourselves and, and ask God in these awful difficult times for one, for his will to be done, uh, we can pray for healing and, and pray that he will heal. But if he doesn't, he's still God. And that was his will. And, you know, reading the rest of the story, that's not what happened. So I'm thankful for that. The email continues and says, my wife found Exodus twenty three twenty six, And he, this person put in quotations none, from that verse, none among you shall miscarry. We stood on that. We can't stand on that passage. And this is why. We have to read scripture in context. Uh, we, we can't just take any phrase from any verse in the Bible and stand on that. It's kind of what a lot of people do with, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That does not apply to anything you want to do under the sun. Um, and so standing on this verse, I'm going to read it in context from Exodus. Okay. So the verse in question is Exodus 23, 26. I'm going to read from the NASB. I just use my NASB app for this portion of it. The passage in context, I'll just read Exodus 23, 20 through 27. And that states, Behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Be on your guard before him and obey his voice. Do not be rebellious toward him, for he will not pardon your transgression, since my name is in him. But if you truly obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies 
and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will completely destroy them. You shall not worship their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their deeds, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their sacred pillars in pieces. But you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will remove sickness from your midst. There shall be no one miscarrying or barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion all the people among you, among whom you come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. Again, that was Exodus 23, 20-7 in the NASB. That verse is not applying to anybody in the world at any time that's a Christian. That passage was talking about a specific account in Exodus chapter 23, um, as that has been laid out. And if you're going to stand on that verse, you have to stand on the entire passage. And at verse 27, says, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion all the people among you, among whom you come. I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. That's part of the context of that. And the context in that exact verse is there shall be no one miscarrying or bearing in your land. And that is that was not talking about anybody that just wants to claim that verse. It's just not, that's not how that works. And again, friend, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to carry that burden. You don't have to take a, a, a portion of scripture out of a single verse and, and stand on that. You can stand on God's entire word and trust, trust him. Trust that his will will be done. Trust that he will be glorified, that through our sufferings, he'll be glorified and that he'll produce uh, character in us through, our, through those sufferings. You don't have to, to go through what the word faith teachers are teaching you. You, you don't have to stand on that you can stand on God's word, which is true and sure. You don't have to go about it in that way. Continuing on with the email, it says, For the next week, the bleeding my wife had been having worsened until one night she woke me up and said there was a lot of blood and tissue that had come out. The OB's office had come in right away for an ultrasound. They said we had miscarried or were passing the other baby. Our fertility doctor had already informed the OB's office that we had lost the second baby. When we got there, my wife told them that when they did the ultrasound, they would find two healthy babies. They insisted there was only one. An internal ultrasound revealed just one baby, but my wife demanded they look again. They did an abdominal ultrasound, and they found our daughter just as big as her brother. She should have shown on the other ultrasounds all the all of the texts and the doctors were amazed at what God had done. Now, I'll, I'll be with you here. I'm not here to say that that, that account didn't take place, uh, although I have seen several ultrasounds in person. I know how hard it is to, um, to see things sometimes. I can't imagine how difficult that will be to see twins. Uh, but I'm so glad to hear that, that one of your twins was not 
miscarried. I'm so glad to hear that. I'm so glad to hear that. That's that's an amazing thing, and and praise God for that. But it had nothing to do with standing on Exodus 23, 26. It just didn't. Uh, that's just God's providence working out. It's, it had nothing to do with that, friend. It, it really didn't. Continuing on, this person says, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Miracles happen. The Holy Spirit is with us and in us. Those of us that have asked him and received his baptism. Laying on of hands works. God brings people back from the dead today just as he did for Lazarus. To argue any other way is to have a doctrine that is not sound or based on biblical truths. Now I'll respond to that. I do agree that laying on of hands works if God wills it. It may bring more glory for him to allow someone to pass away who had hands laid on them. That has happened. One day we're all going to pass away. And to believe wrongly about what God's word teaches has a major, major impact on how we live our lives, the message that we're proclaiming in our lives. It can distort the, the most important message in all of existence, which is the gospel. That's a big deal. And friend, I never claim that God cannot raise people from the dead. My claim is that it doesn't happen in the way that word faith teachers proclaim that they happen. There's never evidence given of that. And it doesn't line up with Scripture. Again, people can be raised from the dead if God wills it, but it does not happen in the way Word of Faith teachers teach. It does not happen from receiving whatever that means. I don't mean that rudely, but whatever receiving means, it doesn't happen in that way. It doesn't, it doesn't happen because you said the right words at the right time. The problem, I don't have any problem with you, uh, the person who has sent this email. I don't. I'm sure you're a really nice person, and you know, I'd be glad to, to chat with you and, and all that. It's the claims that are being made that have been taught and that you have given to me today to look at. And I just wanted to provide that response. You know, I could have typed something up that probably would have sounded really mean just because of the nature of what I had to type. I don't mean it in that way. I don't. Uh, I care about you. Uh, and I'm not here to act like I have perfect theology. I'm not saying that at all. I have so much to learn. I, I learn all the time. I, you know, I, we can never exhaust God's word of its entire truth. I have a long way to go. I think we all do. Uh, I have a longer way than a lot of people have. I, I just have so so much to learn continually. But I can tell you that in my studies and studying for years and years and listening to Sound Brothers exposit the, the Word of God as it is, has been written, and uh, you know, you won't find these teachings from the NAR as credible. You just won't. So I would just say this, you know, God can heal. Sound doctrine and biblical truth lead us to ask God and trust Him. We should give God the glory instead of acting like we can just demand God to do something. 
Bethel is full of false teaching, like what has been talked about today, that harms people and portrays a different God than the God found in Scripture. That's just a fact. It, the way they teach, the things that they teach, which are laid out in the article, if you're listening to this and haven't checked that out yet, it portrays a completely different God and that it attributes actions to him that don't line up with Scripture. That's really all I have to say today. I appreciate the email that was sent, uh, even though the, you know there were some accusations made there. That's okay. Um, you know what? I'm I'm here to learn as well from others. Uh, I'm not I'm not some person who has exhausted all knowledge in existence or anything like that. But I can tell you, friend or whoever whoever's listening, that what God's word actually teaches about healing and about how we are to pray to God and how we are to view God and to humble ourselves before Him, that is enough. His gospel, as it's lined out, laid out in Scripture, is enough. It's enough. We don't have to add to it in, in teachings that come from these movements that uh, contradict God's Word. God's Word is enough. I pray, I pray for people at Bethel to see that and to to care about it so that they can spread the gospel in true ways that they can turn from those those ways just as i've had to turn i've had to repent in my life oh my goodness i've had an awful awful youth young manhood i had to repent and turn to christ and that offer is available to you who is listening today it's available to people that you encounter in life, whether it be in person or social media or, or whatever way. God is sovereign. God can work it out. He can and will. He'll do as He wills. He'll have mercy on whom He has mercy. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you.